Get up, cocksuck, because it's all over. Listen, we had a rough couple of months. And we're back. We're back. It's been a long off season. I have not drank myself into getting my stomach pumped like a certain country singer in Oxford. It's good. As always, I'm back with my wonderfully red-haired co-host. Notice I did not say he's wonderful. I said his hair is wonderfully red. Kiernan, how are you doing, bud? I'm doing great, man. I'm so excited for football season. No idea. It's been awful. It has. It's, it's broken my heart. There should be football all year round. Yeah. Did, did I tell you um, what my girlfriend told me? No. So we were talking because uh, she had to go down to Tennessee for a friend. And she spent the night here. And then I drove her to uh, the airport. And she, we were talking about college football season coming up. And I'm like, here's the weekends where I need to watch these games. Like, look, if I miss Alabama versus Middle Tennessee, I'll track it on my phone, but I don't need to watch that necessarily. Yeah. Maybe not that one because that is week one. I got to watch that. But, you know, LSU, Tennessee, Auburn, those are the three really big ones. Once we get into SEC play, I want to watch even more. But she was like, oh, yeah, no, I know. Uh, she still is home. She's like, my mom already went through our channels to make sure we get SEC Network. Perfect. Her family doesn't give a shit about college football. Oh, so it's just for you. Yes, they wanted to make sure that they had those channels for me. That's that's wonderful. That's that's how you know you've made a good first impression. A hundred percent. And that's also how I know I'm going to marry this girl. So that's fun. That's fine. That's fine. Only been like... An invite. Yeah. Only been like five or six months, but it, I've already made that decision. It, I mean, for the SEC network, yeah, I understand. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, she's also said, like, when we have kids down the line, I I will get them Alabama jerseys. She's wow. big on, like, you know, you don't spend a lot on kids' clothes because they grow out of them in a week. Yeah. She's like, the exception is Alabama jerseys. I'm aware that you will get them a jersey, and when they outgrow it, they'll get another one. I was like, perfect. You are the love of my life for someone who doesn't give a shit about college football. Wow. That is... I think you've just made a lot of people just tear up, just ever so slightly, just one out of the corner of their eye. Like, it was beauty. That's what that was. Yeah, no, it's awesome. That's how I felt when she said it. (laughs) But, yes, we are back. Uh, We're going to be doing this season a little differently. Before we get into topics, I'm sure people are wondering why we haven't been coming out for the past month with our conference previews. Well, we're going to streamline things a little bit. I don't want to talk for an hour. Kiernan doesn't want to hear me talk for an hour. <laughs> so we're condensing it. These next two episodes might still be a little longer because we do have a lot to go through because it's going to be in our season preview next week and this week just shit we missed. But it's going to be half an hour. No more gambling advice. Kieran and I are terrible. If anyone took our advice to heart, I'm sorry your wife divorced you after losing the mortgage on the over in Iowa versus God knows what fucking school they played. We are sorry. Yeah. I don't think we were that bad. I don't think we said the over in any of Iowa's games, but so no, no more of that. It's dumb. We're dumb. Uh, no more segments either. (laughs) Yeah. We we don't know what we're talking about. Uh, no more segments either. I don't like segments. I think when they're good, they're great. When you don't have a good one, they suck. So, No more segments. We're going through the news. We're hitting you with what you need to know going into the weekend. 
if you use that information to influence your gambling decisions, that's not on us. We did not give you picks. So they wanted a stable presence, a guy without a lot of scandals, so they hired someone who killed Stu. Yeah, the LSU way. Just going to put that out there just so uh, we don't get sued. Yeah, I, yeah. Well, well, thank you for that. I'm not sure whether I should be offended or taken as a compliment, but but you know, go on. Put them both in a jousting tournament. It, none of it matters. Texas A&M's gonna go eight four this year. Half those kids are gonna transfer. Are you sure? So, the big news though here. Fucking insane. Uh, the Pac four is dead. I think there's four schools left in it. It's like Oregon State, Washington State, Stanford, and Cal. Yeah, Cal. Like, this is hilarious. It is. It's, it's, it couldn't be uh, more inopportune for them and great for the specifically the Big Ten and the SEC watching conferences just implode around them while they're sucking up all of the good teams that could even be remotely considered good teams and just watching people fail. It's going to be, it's, I mean, this is slowly becoming just a North South conference. Uh, I, I mean, we still have the a ACC to get through and the revitalization of the big 12. But other than that, it's pretty much North South. Yeah, I mean, and that's sort of what it has been the last mile. Yeah. It's like if you divide the country in half, every single uh, college football national championship is from the East Coast. Yeah. It's insane. And I'm curious what those four schools are going to do. Are they going to try and bring in Mountain West schools? Are they going to join a mountain, the Mountain West? Or yeah, I was going to say, they're going to join it. They're not going to try and bring it in. They have no clout anymore. Mountain West like, is more clout. Yeah. And with Oregon State, Washington State, and Cal, I kind of see can see them joining a, a Mountain West, a group of five conference. They don't have great football history. Someone's going to get mad and be like, oh, Aaron Rodgers went to Cal. That's fucking great. Nobody cares. Yeah, like they NFL put players out, come out of the big, uh, the Pac-12 all the time. Yeah, it's not news. Yeah, Aaron Rodgers is probably a top 10 quarterback all time, maybe. Yeah, and is, is that going to be their spokesman? Like, that's the hill you're going like, to die on? Yeah, it's, it's ridiculous. And yes, they put out good players also. Drew Bledsoe did go to Washington State, but they're not, they do not have the historic prestige that some of these other schools have, or the current prestige. Colorado doesn't really have a lot of historic or current prestige, but they have fucking Deion Sanders, so we'll give them a pass to get Deion in conference for a few years. Stanford is the very interesting one here. Because Historically, they're great. Uh, ten years ago, they were pretty good. They're garbage. They're not good anymore. Yeah, yeah, they're, they're really weird because I feel like I feel like every fifteen to twenty years, they have a two to three year spurt of just incredible football, 
but ultimately it amounts to nothing, like no conference championships or anything, and it just fizzles out two years later. So it's like a it's a, a spark with a very disappointing bang. Yeah, they hit on that like one recruiting class. Yeah. Develop them a bit. They leave and then they thought for some reason it's the NFL and they got one really good recruiting class. Go, oh, we can just re-sign them when their rookie deals up. No, it's not how yeah. it fucking works, guys. You got to keep recruiting. But who do you blame for the death of the Pac-12? Do you blame the Big Ten or the Big 12? Um, no, I don't blame either of those those conferences. I blame the Pac-12 for not being able to keep their teams in there. When when UCLA and USC first announced that they were leaving for the, the Big Ten, I was kind of shocked. I was like, oh, that's really unexpected and super weird. And then now with Washington and Oregon, I'm like, what the fuck is going on? Like, wh- wh- where clearly there's not enough pull of college football out on the West Coast to entice these schools to stay in a single conference and compete against one another. UCLA and US, uh, USC realize, look, the only competition that we're going to legitimately face and have some, you know, uh, some attempt at winning a, a, a major impactful conference is in the Big Ten. USC, um, like if we're talking about historical uh, significance, USC could probably do that. UCLA probably not so much, but I feel like they were a package deal regardless. So to go to the, they couldn't go to the, the SEC. They would be absolutely slaughtered. But they could win or get really close to winning in the Big Ten. Uh, why they didn't choose the uh, Big 12, I'm not entirely sure. I feel like that would have been a shorter distance for them to have to cover, especially with travel. And, and you know, these guys are still students, despite the fact that they're making money now. They're still students. They still need to, quote, unquote, pass um, in order to maintain the eligibility and things like that. But I guess the, pack, the, the Big 12, excuse me, also didn't show enough uh, enough significant support um, after the loss of Texas and Oklahoma. So it's like, oh, where do you go? Well, the two most secure ones are are on the East Coast and or you know, towards the towards the east side of this uh, country and the Big Ten and the SEC. So they're like, well, that's what we got to do to to make sure our programs stay relevant. I feel like the Big Ten told USC and UCLA, like, hey, we're working on getting more West Coast schools to make it so they're not traveling all the time. Because even if they join the Big 12, and I know some of these schools the Big 12 has added is in response to them not getting more Pac-12 schools at the time. But, you know, USC would still have to travel to Morgantown. They'll still have to travel to Cincinnati, Orlando. Those are still pretty far. Now, it's not going to be every week we're going to Ann Arbor, then we're coming back, then we're going to Columbus, then we're coming back, then we're going to State College. Oh, yeah. No, I'm not suggesting that at all. I'm just simply saying, like, logistically, it would probably make a lot more sense to go to the Pac-12, but uh, or the Big 12, excuse me, but it just didn't happen. Yeah, it's true. I, I don't really blame either. Also, I do blame partially uh, the Pac-12. I think they're a shit show of a conference. They didn't do enough to capture headlines in a time in a day and age where it's way easier to do, by the way. Yeah. Like 
Pac-12 after dark was a thing because their games kick off at like 10.30. But they still had powerhouses before everything was streamed online. You could follow live streams of the game, live tweets of the game. It's insane. But I also think we have to put some semblance of blame on our founding fathers. Not necessarily George Washington, John Adams, John Quincy Adams. Like, none of those. Thomas Jefferson onward, I think you have to start blaming them for not incentivizing settlers to move out west so there were larger population centers in the middle, in the northwest. California is obviously a massive population, but Idaho, nobody fucking lives there. Because there's nothing there except mountains and potatoes. Okay. Ireland has created a whole fucking country off of that, and they don't really have mountains. <laughs> we have also had Guinness. There's a huge difference. Okay, guess what? Vodka. They can make vodka with the potatoes. And they didn't. That's their fault. Not, not and they, So they're not enticing the right clientele out west. They didn't do that. Missed opportunity. The Pac-12 is dead, and it's Thomas Jefferson's fault. God damn it. What a take. What a take. Like I said, we have a condensed time, and we need to get more outlandish, Kiernan. Even more outlandish than our ridiculous betting picks? Yes, we have to match. We are losing so many bad takes by not doing gambling advice anymore. We need to up the ante. I if, want if people, Idaho had more had more fucking hiking trails, I'm sure it would matter. It would matter more as a state. That's fair. I I also want people to be driving into work listening to this and going, "Wait, what did he just say?" <laughs> yeah, it's Thomas Jefferson's fault. Big like, Twelve and Pac Twelve suck. <laughs> it a hundred percent is. He should have done better. And like for the Big Twelve, for the Big Twelve, in reality, when when they first even got rumors of of Texas and Oklahoma leaving. They should have immediately jumped to the Pac-12 and been like, who wants to come? Because that was just a missed opportunity. Instead of trying to, you know, uh, prevent the inevitable, they should have immediately changed tack and just gone after schools that are, are, are worth it. And I don't think they did, or at least not well enough so that they didn't go to another conference. I I think I would argue that maybe outside of USC with Caleb Williams and Lincoln Riley and now Cliff Kingsbury, who's not a good coach, but whatever, uh, every school that the Big 12 has added, not from the Pac-12, is miles ahead of any Pac-12 school they would have gotten. Like, yeah, they got Arizona. Okay. Cincinnati's going to wax them on the field. Houston's going to wax them on the field. UCF might. It's, I think actually their move worked out brilliantly because they're also close enough to the West Coast. They can have a West Coast audience still. It's the East Coast where they struggled because they had West Virginia and that's it. Yeah. Now they're hitting Florida. They're hitting Ohio. And the Houston area, which is a recruiting hotbed and always has been. Now, obviously, UT could have gotten guys from Houston because it's fucking Texas. Big deal. But that just strengthens their position there. So, who knows? Pac-12 is dead. Rip 
in peace. Uh, speaking of Rip and Pete, uh, Pat Fitzgerald's coaching career. I don't feel good about that one. I don't well, feel good. We still have to see how it plays out because it's not a wholly set thing. Uh, it's just been allegations at this point. No, wasn't he fired? No, he was, but like... The, oh, you the mean actual... getting another job. Yeah. That's Wait, fair. For those who didn't... fired or was he suspended? I he think was he fired, was. yeah. He has to have been fired. You don't go through allegations of sodomy in your locker room and not and keep your job. Yes, he was fired. Expeditiously, too. I feel like it was one day after the allegations, like, nope, we're good. And he's suing them for his job. In in fairness to him, I mean, I agree with him. I'm I'm reading like I was reading the reports before this before this thing, and I'm like, I am struggling to see where the whole uh, running thing came from. So if you if you look online and read the reports, it was this basically if if how I understand it from reading it, it was if he clapped in some way after a specifically a freshman made a bad play or a mistake he would clap and that was the quote-unquote understanding that they were going to get run up on whatever that entails and i'm really struggling to find where clapping after a play is a sign of hazing instead of oh, it's just a play, let's keep going, or walk it off, like, no big deal. Like, uh, coaches have done for literally the inter- eternity, and I don't know a single coach that hasn't clapped. I, I just, I, I'm, I'm struggling to see how, even if he, even if it was, you know, he did know about it and whatever, I fail to see how the clapping thing was any indication of hazing. It's very confusing. I, I don't think the clapping's an issue. They're making it a big issue. I, they're not making that part a big issue. Not from what I've read. They're making the car wash a big issue. Well, I mean, yeah, but like, I, the, the thing for me is that I was reading is like, they're, the clapping is the issue. I don't know about the car wash. Okay. So the alleged sexual assaults, yes, that is the term used, sexual assaults. Include acts of being dry humped by groups of upperclassmen. Yep. Being forced to enter team showers through parallel lines of spinning naked teammates to resemble a car wash. And being being compelled to perform a center to quarterback snapping of a football while naked. Lovely. And Pat Fitzgerald allegedly knew about all of this. So that's why it's a bigger deal. It's not just the clapping. But now it's come out that... Pat Fitzgerald just didn't know about it. Every Northwestern coach has known about this going on since before, long before Pat Fitzgerald got there. This has been described as an institutional issue. So should Pat Fitzgerald have been fired? Yes. Should every coach before him also be in trouble for this? Yes. Is Pat Fitzgerald the one that has his head on a pike? Yes. Is no one else? Also yes. He was the active coach. Yeah, but like, where's the repercussions for the other ones? I don't know. Are they I'm not trying to defend Pat Fitzgerald at this point. I'm just saying. No, I know you're not. Should be held accountable as well. 
Let's look at their last coaches. Let's see what they're up to. I assume not much because they're um, what Northwestern coaches, so they're probably all gone. High school uh, coaches now. Yeah. Randy Walker retired in 2005 and then died in 2006. Kind of hard to punish him for that. Uh, Fair. Retroactively. That's Post true. Post-Calvinist, like, that's what I meant to say. Uh, Gary Barnett, coach before him, retired from coaching in 2005. Uh, oh, also, he also had players commit sexual misconduct while he was at Colorado. That's fun. Francis P. before him, dead. Dennis Green, uh, unfortunately dead. Okay, so basically what this is, is if you coach at Northwestern and then you retire or resign, you basically die the year after. <laughs> That's what I'm getting from this. Uh, some of them. Dennis Green was gone, were, wasn't coaching there for 30 years when he died. So. Oh, uh, okay. But yeah, so a lot of them are dead or they're all dead or not coaching anymore. So I, it's a shit show. I think a deeper investigation is needed for Northwestern as an institution. It's not great. Not a good look. Especially with that new stadium they're going to build or have yeah, built. That's true. Yeah, huh? I don't know. I feel like Pat Fitzgerald was also on borrowed time. Like, but he's he, also coaching Northwestern, and there's not a lot he can do. That's true. Like, it's a Big Ten school, but it's it's a group of five Big Ten school. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think I feel like that's fairly that's a fairly uh, uh, accurate statement. <laughs> I think actually, you know what? I think he should have been fired October 29th last year. Is October 30th the day the allegations came out? No, October 29th is the day he let Iowa score 33 points on him. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. That's definitely fair. Spencer Petrus went 21 for 30 for 220 yards and a touchdown. He should have been fired for that. That's yeah. a fireable offense. Yes, it is. If that happens to literally anyone else in the Big Ten, that person's, they're gone. They're gone before the final whistle even blows. Yeah, it's not great. Let's see. Was that their season high? Illinois also gave up 33. But that was Brett Belima's first year, so he gets a pass. Wait, no, that was two years ago. Google lied to me. God damn it. I don't know. But it's still fireable offense. He should have been fired. Uh, also, PJ Fleck, uh, Minnesota's coach, allegedly is kind of a dick. Go on. I don't know why that was news. Okay, are, are we talking about the the Fleck Bank, as it's called? The Fleck Bank? I didn't hear about that. I just kind of saw headlines that he's kind of a dick. What is the Fleck Bank? Oh, okay. So uh, this is what I thought you meant. So the Fleck Bank is essentially players receive money, tokens, whatever. Uh, 
after doing good works or you know uh, helping in the community or volunteering time at at homeless shelters visiting patients in hospital or uh the and one specifically one that stood out was uh staying with the coach to pray after practice or something like that and you get tokens and tickets and things like that now they're not real money there's no like actual money being exchanged but basically if you have enough of these tokens uh fleck will essentially uh disregard positive drug tests now 90 percent of these drug tests are probably for marijuana and frankly i agree with fleck i don't give a crap like yeah you can't fail them but like come back in two weeks when it's out of your system or whatever and we'll retest again and if you had enough fleck bucks or whatever you could he wouldn't get mad at you essentially but it he also the big thing was in order to keep his guys in line and not be out partying and drinking and causing disturbances he basically told each person if you catch your teammate doing something bad you get double the amount of in the fleck bank and so people were like oh it's a it's a scare tactic or it's a it's a basically to keep uh or to be snitches on each other so that like people were constantly looking over their shoulders and things like that and it just grew a sense of fear and toxicity and things like that i'm like that's just a coach trying to keep his guys out of trouble by telling their teammates to keep them out of trouble I, that just sounds like having an accountability. Yeah, that's what it sounds like. And uh, and like actually, it sounds like, like oh, having yeah. like seventy accountability buddies because anyone will rat you out. Yeah, exactly. And I'm just like, wow, you guys are really scared that your own. First of all, you, that your own teammates are going to rat you out. Second of all, that you're not already partying with the dude, like your buddy on the team. Like he's going to rat you out. Are you serious? <laughs> you know. And I just, I was like, that's a load of fucking bullshit. Like even if that is true at the fleck bank i'm just like so he's keeping you accountable and you're upset with that bummer <laughs> oh my god some of this shit is so stupid i'm reading from front office sports breaking down what these troubling allegations of toxic culture are mm-hmm. um if if he walked into a room and didn't like the ovation he received he would leave and come back that's weird but not that big a deal yeah seriously <laughs> um he was, players were given a three-ring binder to memorize and being tested, and there was an acronym in it. Forget about me, I love you, family. And so it's like, well, he was making us say, forget about yourself as an individual. Yeah, you're part of a fucking team. That's normal. Yeah, that's how you win. Like, <laughs> it's the dumbest things. The, oh my God. Inspirational quotes, some of them, like, the pain of discipline versus the pain of regret. Uh roof over your head better off than 73% of the world. Like fine. That's just like a true statement. That's not like. Okay. Now. All right. Now it's getting a little bit bad. It's getting a little bad. Uh, If he asked how you were doing, you had to say I'm elite. And some guys like, Oh, I wasn't okay. I wasn't a good mental spot. And that's, that I kind of see a little bit more because it's kind of like 
oh, he doesn't actually care about me. He just wants me to say I'm good. No, no. See, here's the thing. I, I kind of disagree with that because it's, it's a mentality thing. It's like despite how you feel, you have to think of yourself as great and think of yourself as good because that mentality will transfer. I, this is my assumption is that he's trying to get into the guy's head that no matter how you're feeling now, you're going to feel good just by saying it and telling yourself it. And then when you're on the field, you know, you'll be good. And that, that will carry us to success. Now that's probably just a stupid little mind tactic. I really don't think any, there's anything in that, you know, if they're having uh, mental health problems, go talk to a counselor. That's not what yeah, the coach like, is there some of it though would be like, he would say, I'm good. And Fleck would say, Oh, you're not elite. And you would either walk off or tell the guy you're supposed to say elite. I don't know. I don't, I'm not getting into the, if it's ignoring mental health issues, if these guys didn't come to it about it. Um, Somebody was supposed to gain weight, drank three protein shakes, shit pink liquid. Yeah. Who hasn't done stupid shit in their life? Yeah. I ate a whole ghost pepper Uh, once. That was painful. Ignoring serious injuries by his training staff. I'm not big on, oh, like, people were tougher than, like, this would be considered the paradigm of treating your players well 40 years ago. (laughs) Like, am I wrong? I, I mean, I don't really know one way or the other, to be honest with you, but, like, as far as I'm concerned... obviously like i think the the mental health stuff's concerning if i'm assuming there's more to it than that but it's just it's not that bad no especially with pat fitzgerald allegedly condoning sexual assault in his locker room after the like that same off season yeah it's it's yeah it's a it's a lot of give and take that sounds that's the wrong way to put that but like Come on, that's not that bad. That's not it. Yeah, if he's a dick for having guys snitch on each other, sure. Like, is it, if that's the worst that's going to happen, whatever. I don't care. Yeah, I I don't know. It, but also, I, we didn't really see, like, a mass exodus of Minnesota players often. Yeah, exactly. It was like, like one or two. It might have been one or two three-star recruits that were like, oh, I, I need attention. <laughs> yeah, and so I... I think PJ Fleck is just a coach. Kind of a dick, yeah, but... Sure, but what a, coach isn't? He's like, a D1 football coach. Yeah. If you're if you're upset by having a, a coach who's a little bit of a dick sometimes, then you were not made to play football. I think there's two kinds of coaches. Ones who are kind of dicks all the time, and ones who lose all the time. You have to kind of be an asshole to win. Yeah. And but, if you can't separate out the fact that if they're a dick for, you know, a few minutes per day or whatever, or while, you know, you're not doing a good enough job and he, you know, harps on you for that. Like, if that's if that's your level, if that's all you can take, then I'm sorry. Yeah, no, it's it's ridiculous. Um, and the NCAA sanctions are coming to Northwestern. They have to. Uh, Minnesota's going to be fine. However, are the 
punishments handed out by the NCAA going to make any fucking sense when it comes to Northwestern? No, and it's going to prove the undoubtedly the complete counter opposite of what it should achieve. Undoubtedly, I don't even know what what they they are or what they will be, but it's going to be counterintuitive. Yeah, it's. I have no idea. Like they'll probably take away some scholarships. Maybe say that Northwestern can't compete in postseason games. Like oh no, games. the, the bowl games they weren't gonna make in the first place. You know what they gotta do, Kevin. They gotta hire Bill O'Brien. He look if you bring Bill O'Brien into a toxic situation. So I have. Bill O'Brien is like a good medium, middle-of-the-road guy. Yeah. If you bring him into a toxic situation, he's probably going to do pretty well. He's going to motivate, rally the team. If you bring him into a pretty good situation, he's going to create a toxic environment. Yeah, yeah. he does the opposite of what he should do. Yeah. Yeah, okay. So, yeah, so if, if you're having any NCAA violations, troubles, lawsuits, or anything like that, the man for the job is Bill O'Brien. Until you get good. Once Until he you builds your program back up, get rid of him. Fire him immediately. Like, look at look at his career, pretty much. Obviously, early Patriots years as the offensive coordinator with Tom Brady. We're going to ignore that one. But Penn State, going through the Jerry Sandusky stuff, mm-hmm. he kept that team together. He did a really good job of it. He did. Uh, went to Houston. Pissed off DeAndre Hopkins. Compared him to Aaron Hernandez. Everyone fucking hated him. Got fired because they sucked. Uh, then Alabama uh, dragged that offense down, wasted our greatest quarterback ever. It was a shit show. But then goes to New England, and by all accounts, he's doing great because he's better than fucking Matt Patricia. So if you're in a shit situation, Matt Patric- or Bill O'Brien will save you. If you're in a good one, he's going to doom you. But NCAA punishments, they make no fucking sense. The latest example, Tennessee coach Jeremy Pruitt, future Alabama advisor to the head coach or some shit for Nick Saban's school of coaches who can't coach too good. He was giving bags of McDonald's filled with money to recruits. Got fired because it didn't help win. Then the team got, I think, just like a fine or the school got a fine. That's really it. That's all that came of it. And then... Uh, Jim Harbaugh gives recruits a McDonald's bag full of McDonald's, just gives them a burger, four-game suspension. What is going on? I, I, Kevin, I literally do not have a response for you. It doesn't make any sense, and I can't wrap my... I understood the, the particle physics of the movie Oppenheimer more than I understand NCAA violations. That's fair. And like, and I also find it absolutely hilarious that instead of just putting a manila envelope or something classy or whatever, it was a bag of fucking McDonald's with cash in it. It couldn't be more Tennessee thing to do. Yeah. I couldn't. I couldn't think of anything more Tennessee than that. That's hilarious. I was. I was gonna say it's fucking Tennessee. Yes. Yeah. That's, that's why. Yeah. Uh, but no, it's. It makes no fucking sense. I had hoped that this shit was behind us 
the stupid fucking decisions were going to be gone with Mark Emmert out of the way. But Charlie Baker comes in and apparently just continues it. Which raises the question, how is Charlie doing as NCAA president, commissioner, whatever the fuck they call him now? So to your point, I feel like it's too early to judge Charlie Baker as the NCAA president because I feel like those those accusations and those violations and those penalties were essentially pre like his time. Like yeah, he started on March 1st, but like those those uh investigations or whatever were probably already either underway or still under Mark Emmerich's jurisdiction uh, for the time being. So I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt and say like, this was just the carryover from previous, uh, previous president, but I'm going looking forward. I'm hoping that it doesn't happen like this in the future because it's dumb. I disagree on one of your points. I don't think it's too early to create him or to judge him how he's doing with presidents. They're judged on the first hundred days in office. With Charlie, you got to judge him on his first 100 days in office. I think he's doing a bang-up job. Well, then. What a, what a, what a delightful turn. I, I agree with you on the suspension or the punishments thing. I think a lot of this has been the decision was made. It, it happened around the time Charlie came in. It, might have, it was attributed to him, some of it, because he was probably asked to give a quote about it for blogs and articles. But it was, the decision was made. The invest, investigation was done under Mark Emmert. It's going to take a while to get the riffraff out that Emmert had in there. But it's also nice to see a man who's not afraid to talk about where the NCAA fucked up. He's talked about how they mishandled NIL early on because they didn't do anything about it. Now, he does lose points by saying he wants the government to fix it. He wants... Which is wild to hear from a Republican governor, or <laughs> former Republican governor. Wild. Uh, Charles Barkley said it best. When I hear, I want the government to come out, no. He said something worse. But it, it's just yeah. like, the, this is the NCAA's fault. I don't think the government should come save them. No. God, no. I, there's no reason for that to happen. It's it, the NCAA doesn't need their help. They can figure it out on their own with competent people in charge. And hopefully that's what we'll see with Charlie Baker. The only reason I'd be okay with the government hearing about these issues, like the, if it comes to the Supreme Court, if the House is talking about it, first off, pass the budget, fucking please. I don't want a government to shut down. That shit sucks. I hate hearing about it. But if it stops the Supreme Court from passing dumbass fucking decisions like they have been, I'm okay with them hearing the NIL issue. If it's not, if they're going to go, yeah, no, fine, whatever. All right, so back to completely banning abortion. Uh, no, it don't waste my time. They're going to do it anyway. Fuck off. I fucking hate the Supreme Court. Sorry, got a little personal yeah, there. Yeah, so it's like, yeah, let's, bring it, let's bring it back. This is a college football pro program. I'm not sure, I'm not sure we are uh, qualified to be talking about legal precedents. I think I am very qualified. As somebody who took Two law classes in college. Ooh. A whole two of them. And one of them was about <laughs> law and now. media. One of them was about law and media where we watched To Kill a Mockingbird. Keep in mind, this man has a degree in communications, so... 
I have a minor in communications. I I I don't care, Kevin. <laughs> I have a I have a BS in accounting. Oh yeah, that's right. Which perfectly encapsulates how I got through that bullshitting my way through. Perfect. But yeah, no. So I I think Charlie's doing a good job. Uh, who's not doing a good job is Clemson linebacker TJ Dudley, who was kicked off the team because in today's era of NIL, people are going all over the place to get money. You have car dealerships giving guys money. You have Bryce Young and Dr. Pepper ads. You have Livy Dunn just being hot online, I guess, is what she's famous for. I don't really know. Uh, and then you have Clemson, former Clemson linebacker TJ Dudley in his OnlyFans account. Look. I'm a pretty progressive person. I don't subscribe to any OnlyFans model, only models because I'm not dumb. I have better things to spend my money on. But also, you do you. The problem with TJ Dudley is he was not featured in his OnlyFans. Uh, all of his teammates were. They did not know. Yeah. That's, that's like a recipe for an ass-kicking, if I've ever heard one. That's a recipe for an ass kicking a lawsuit and to get kicked out of school. Yeah. It's ridiculous. I think he made a shit ton of money off it, but still. That doesn't matter. That's so, so hold on. Oh, Is no, I'm saying for the lawsuit. I'm saying oh. for the coming lawsuit, oh, yeah. he can yeah. hire a good lawyer. I'm not saying, no, he made money. It's fine. Who cares? No. Yeah. Yeah, Guys, I... quick PSA. Do not make an OnlyFans account of your classmates, teammates, co-workers, or any non-consenting adult. And I shouldn't have to say, was, I shouldn't have to add non-consenting person. That really shouldn't be a statement that ever has to be uttered. And somehow we're sitting here on at 8.20 in the, on a Wednesday explaining to people who should be more understanding than us to not do that. Yeah. It's ridiculous that we have to say that. So PSA, just don't, if you think you're going to don't. If, if, if you want to do it by yourself, by all means, go crazy. Couldn't care less. If the, especially people that are unaware that you're doing it, that is beyond fucked up. Even if they're aware to you of you doing it and don't want True, you to yeah. do it. Like, yeah, if they don't consent to it happening, don't do it. Yeah, it's ridiculous. It's fucking insane. And someone else who's stupid. Uh, literally every single Auburn recruit this offseason. <laughs> have you heard? Karen, do you think about Auburn in your day-to-day -day life? Or do you see Auburn news? Uh, I, I have to be honest with you, Kevin. I don't. I, they are not high up on my list of priorities. Alabama and Auburn were fighting for two recruits, a defensive player and a wide receiver. Auburn got both of them. The receiver said that Hugh Freeze has a better track record of developing wide receivers than Nick Saban in Alabama, which I'm going to be honest, he has a point. I agree with him. If you ignore... Jerry Judy, Devontae Smith, Henry Ruggs, Jalen Waddle, Amari Cooper, Julio Jones. So many guys. 
Like, if you ignore basically every wide receiver, then yeah, Hugh Freeze is a better track record. I, I this would be the perfect time to include the uh, that John Cena meme, the one where he comes out from the the cover and just go, "Are you sure about that?" It, yeah, it's ridiculous. And then another one said that Nick Saban, the man who has been married once, never had infidelity allegations, goes to church every Sunday with his with Miss Terry, and is a family man, but Hugh Freeze, who got in trouble for using his university cell phone to hire escorts, is more of a family man. Mm. Yeah, you don't need to hire GPA to know that's not a good idea. No, no, it's it's ridiculous. I hate it. I, just, to, just to comment on the Alabama thing, um, I saw somewhere today or, or yesterday uh, about the, the uh, media day down at S for the SEC, and Saban was just smiling as he got off the uh, off the little podium there, or lectern or whatever, and someone was like, I am more terrified of Saban smiling than literally anything else in my life. And I was like, yeah, that's a good point. I'm legitimately concerned for the rest of the SEC, if not the country. Yeah, if Saban's smiling, y'all are fucked. Yeah, seriously. It's it's uh, going it's going to be terrifying. Georgia has no idea what's coming, or they probably do. They just are choosing to ignore it. Yeah, no, fair. I'm curious to see if Stetson Bennett is was the glue holding Georgia together. Oh yeah, that's true. That'll be interesting. A wild turn of events. Yeah, and we'll talk about more next week at our kind of college football little preview show before week zero. But insane if. DeQuavius Bennett is the guy, the engine that made Georgia football go the last couple of years. <laughs> not, not the defense, not, not the defense, no. or the good, or the, or the solid run game. No, it was Stetson Bennett this whole time. I mean, look, I'm gonna be honest. When you're 25 playing against a bunch of 18 year olds, I would hope you you have a competitive advantage. Yes, yes, mild competitive <laughs> advantage. <laughs> That's great. But, all right, Caden, what do you want to talk about? You want to talk about a sentence that I fully understand what it means and I hate the fact I learned how to read because of it? Or Jimbo Fisher? Uh, uh, let's go with the sentence you don't want to read. Did baby Grok riz up Livy Dunn and steal her from the Riz King? I, I wish, I really wish that that made sense. Baby Gronk rizzed up Livy Dunn. No, actually, Livy Dunn tried to riz up Baby Gronk, but he gave her the side hug. He wasn't feeling it. Probably because he's like fucking fourth grader or whatever he is. Is he a fourth grader? He's just really. Yeah. Yeah. That's. It's and, wrong. It's let me just tell you this. It's wrong, no matter what way you look at it. And that, that's all I'll say on the topic. Yeah, I. It, there's actually more to this I wanted to talk about. Um, it's that sentence sucks. I hate it. I fucking hated saying it. I hated hearing it for the first time. Uh, it made me regret having functioning hearing and being able to read. Yeah, but it also raised the point. Society has moved past the need for superstar kid athletes. Like, you had, oh, what was his name? Like, Julian Newman 
that third grader who was playing varsity basketball like 15 years ago. Oh, yeah. And then he stopped growing at 5'4". <laughs> Ironic. Him, yeah, baby Gronk. Like, look, if you see a clip of a kid, like just one clip of a kid juking out someone to flag football, but then you don't know their name, right? Like, that's fine. A baby Gronk's father needs to be investigated because he's doing this child a disservice. He's too much limelight too early. Yeah, you, you know who I feel like baby Gronk's going to turn into? Who? Todd Marinovich. Uh, yeah, you're going to have to run that one by me there, buddy. <laughs> so, Todd Marinovich, his dad was fucking psychotic. And his dad, Father Marv, used Eastern Block trading methods on his kid to turn him into the perfect quarterback from a young age. Like, that's all he worked on. Damn. Todd Marinovich went to USC, lit it up, First round pick in the 1991 NFL draft. Uh, he played in for three years for the Raiders and then had a drug addiction because his father was psychotic. Like, I'm sorry. If you if you're trying to raise your kids, quick advice. As someone who doesn't have kids yet, but wants them someday, do not raise your kids using trading methods from a dictatorship. Um, I think that's a pretty good rule to have. Yeah, it's, it's simple, yet totally understandable. Yeah, simple but effective. No, I think that's what the training was, simple but effective. <laughs> yeah. Line up for your cigar burns. <laughs> As a kid, Todd Marinovich was only fed fresh vegetables, fruits, and raw milk. Okay. I mean, from that description alone, that's that's not the worst thing that people have been fed. Let me just point that out. <laughs> no. Look, Trudy Marinovich used no salt, sugar, alcohol, or tobacco during her pregnancy. Again, failing to see a problem so far. <laughs> I don't see a problem. I have a problem with... Is dad being psychotic? Oh, uh, comment. Marv Marinovich commented, some guys think the most important thing in their life is their jobs, the stock market, whatever. To me, it was my kids. The question I asked myself was, how well could a kid develop if you provided him with the perfect environment? That's not love for your kids. That's your sixth grade science fair experiment that you're trying to put on your child. Yeah, it, it's Freud 2.0. It's ridiculous. Uh, also, I'm not trying to talk shit about Todd Marinovich. He was an innocent bystander in all of this. Like, he went to jail multiple times. He's, but he's turned his life around seemingly. I'm happy for Todd Marinovich. Uh, Marv Marinovich, you sadistic fucking bastard. You're supposed to raise and love your kid, not try to turn them into the, the Robocop bicentennial man shit that you were trying to pull on no no you had a perfect opportunity to say winter soldier and you missed it you're right that's it's <laughs> on me that's on me <laughs> and there's no like trademarks on that or anything they're 100 percent art disney's gonna sue us oh fuck 
It's fine. We've got, I've said things that would get Brian Kelly to sue me for defamation on this podcast. It's fine. But yeah, baby Gronk. And his father's also weird. He's just like DMing random people in media. Like, hey, interview my like 12-year-old kid. No. Yeah. Maybe when he is actually fucking going to school. He also seemingly commits to a new school every week. Yeah, I saw that too. I was like, yeah, okay. It's LSU this week. It's Auburn the next week. It's Alabama. It was Oregon two weeks ago. It's insane. Yeah, stupid. So, yeah, baby Gronk, uh, I feel bad for you, bud. Sorry, your dad's a fucking sociopath. Uh, all right, now we'll talk about something that I love talking about. Uh, is Jimbo Fisher coaching for his job? Yes. 100% yes. Even with that massive buyout? You still think yes, you're a firm yeah, yes? Yeah, no, yeah, yeah. That there's, that literally, there's no other There's no other thing. I mean, the, the only question is how long they wait. I think they're going to give him the benefit of the doubt for this year. When I say that, I mean to start the first two games. And if those don't go according to plan, uh, I think maximum game four before they, they, they get him out of there. Um, is is his – I because I don't know this off the top of my head. Is his contract structured on a per-week or per-month basis buyout? What I mean by that is does it decrease after all the weeks or does it decrease after every month? Because basically it's how – much money are they willing to forfeit is is my question uh so it's on a season by season basis it seems oh well fools fools texas a&m because it's fully guaranteed yeah and so if he's fired after this season or during this season he's owed 76 million dollars Damn, that's... If they wait till 2024, 67.5, 2025, 58, 2026, 48.75, 2027, 39.2, 2028, 29.5, 2029, 19.8, 2039. Like, here's the thing. Are you willing to get it down to 20, under 20 million? Like, that's kind of seems like... Oh, that's ridiculous amount of money. I don't... I cannot foresee... I don't understand how... Even the boosters have this much money. Like, I know there's a lot of money in college football. Don't get me wrong. And especially down in Texas, there's a lot of money. But yeah, my God, that's oil money. I know, but still, that, that's, that's ridiculous. And my favorite thing about his contract, my favorite thing, if a coach is fired and they have a buyout, but then they get a new job, the whatever the salary at the new job is negates the buyout. Mm-hmm. So in a normal contract, if Jimbo was fired this season, like after the season, he's paid twenty or seventy-six million. But then, if he gets a thirty million dollar a year job, the buyout's reduced to only forty-six million. Yeah, Jimbo Fisher's contract does not have that. <laughs> so if he gets fired and gets a job for thirty-six million dollars, he's getting a hundred and twelve million dollars. What this is, what this is, is Texas A&M fans, and especially their boosters, are getting a history lesson so that 50 to 100 years down the line, 
it'll be known as the Fisher Clause, and it'll be absolutely 100% on everybody's contract. It was on, I think it was like on everybody's contract, really. Yeah, except they're nothing, but they're going to make an exception to it, like a specific bolded triple underlines in red. Uh, no, I, I think he, you know how like Le'Veon Bell sitting out a couple years ago kind of killed the running back market? Yeah. I think Jimbo Fisher might have killed the coaching market. I think every team will be terrified to give a coach a contract like this, it, coming close to this, and they won't, except like if Nick Saban or Kirby Smart, I, that's it. Yeah, Nick Saban yeah. or Kirby Smart. Yeah. And that's like if they tomorrow, if they become available. Yeah. And and the and I wouldn't even give Kirby Smart the benefit of the doubt there. I would literally the only person in the world currently that I would entrust with that amount of money is Nick Saban. Yeah. There's I Kirby Smart doesn't is not even close. If he gets seven more championships in the next fifteen years, I'll consider it, but not right now. Yeah, that's fair. I don't know. I, I feel like Kirby's earned it. Nah, I don't know. Uh, I I don't think he's I don't think he's at the saving level yet. Oh he's, no, he's he's getting, he's getting there certainly, but he's not there yet. He's not at the same level. I'm not saying that, and I'm not saying that Saban as like a legacy contract. You're going to give him this contract. Well, you've been great in the past. And we think you'll be great a little bit longer. So we're going to give you this mass contract. No, like the length. I don't think they'd give Saban the length, though. Like a 10-year contract. Oh, no, no, no. God, no, no, no. I, I think Kirby could get the length and the money. I see what you're saying. I maybe. I'm I think just... Saban could still get it because a 10-year contract. He's still going to be a solid, energetic coach. Maybe for the whole thing. That man is in abs- looks absurdly good for his age. Yeah, how old is he now? He's six. The same age as Bill Belichick. Okay, so like seventy-two. Was... Okay, like uh, in terms of age, I didn't really factor in how old he actually was because I just think that he's immortal at this point. Um, but Kirby Smart, in terms of longevity, yes. Saban, in terms of if if he was fifty years old. Then I would, I would have. Yeah, I still think Saban would get that contract, but I feel like the years might cause yeah, some diminished. Yeah, to, yeah, yeah. Go. Do we want to do this? Should we lower the years, lower the money a little bit for the last couple of years? I don't know, but also I was wrong. Saban is seventy-one. A whole year off. Yeah, and he's still going strong, but like. Dabo has kind of fallen off a little bit. He's got his fucking players filming other teammates for his OnlyFans. He's lost control of that locker room. Uh, Jim Harbaugh still, he got the Ohio State monkey off his back. He still has not proved he can win. You need to win multiple big games a year to win a national championship. I don't think he's proven that he can do that yet. No. I feel Uh, like he gets lucky more than he gets... He, he gets the actual, like, definitive win. Yes. I feel like some school would give Lincoln Riley that contract. 
And I think it would end up like the Jimbo one, but I still think he'd get it. Who'd be willing to fork over that money, though? Uh, I don't know. Name a school that historically is really good and sucks now. Stanford? Texas? Texas. I don't know. I think Texas is going to stick with Sark a little bit longer. Oklahoma could. um, Uh, If Oklahoma State fires Ryan Day. Oh, yeah. That's a good point. I think Day is coaching for his job this year also. If he can't beat Michigan or win the Big Ten, he has to do one of those. And if he doesn't do it, I think they'll get sick of him. Um, Justifiable or not, I'm not saying it's a good move, but I'm saying I think that's what's going to happen. I think I also said the same thing last year, though. So, But – I don't know. Watch Texas A&M fire Jimbo and then give someone else a massive fucking contract. The dumbest thing in the world. So, yeah, that's really all we have this episode, though. I mean, we still went an hour, but I feel like our preseason stuff usually goes two hours every time. Yeah, so this is a good good start. Yes, but we do have one more topic I want to get your thoughts on. Yeah. Captain Cons over at Barstool was talking about what kinds of college football fans are acceptable. And he gave four. Four reasons to root for a school, and it's okay. Mm. They root for their alma mater. Mm-hmm. A very they have a cl- perfectly reasonable. They have a close family member who went to a school. They are from a state and root for their state school. Or they worked for the school they root for. Do you have any others? Any other categories? Um, I so sort of. It's kind of like a small caveat to the second one, um, because uh, our good friend Matt, uh, he's a huge Penn State fan, but he never went there. But he did come down to visit me. We went to the football games. Like, he loves Penn State. He's diehard Penn State. And I am willing to extend that to close friends as people who support it. But it, it just in terms of those restrictions. But I feel like who really cares? Like, are you really that concerned about people supporting your school, like, just because they don't know all that much about it, but like they like the colors or the mascot. Like, are you really that pent up about it? Yes. Okay. Well, so, uh, well, no, uh, there's a caveat then. So there's a couple things. One, if you were a young kid and just liked the colors, I think that's perfectly valid. If you were five and saw, a crimson and white jersey on your TV or something, and you rooted for Alabama that day for the rest of your life, I'm okay with that. Frankly, I am. Like, I don't really have too much of an issue with it. Um, And if your parents didn't go there, but they root for you were indoctrinated as a young kid, I don't have a huge issue with that either. My issue is I found, outside of Twitter... Because everyone on Twitter, Twitter's a cesspool. I'm part of the problem. I'm aware. I'm not <laughs> I'm not living in a glass house throwing stones. I'm well aware that I am part of the problem. And I have been in the past. I've cleaned it up a little bit. But the loudest, most obnoxious, tree-poisoning fans of Alabama 
have no connection to the university. Like the ones you hear about who are screaming racial slurs in the streets, shooting opposing fans and other Alabama fans after a loss did not go to Alabama. That those are the fans I have issues with. Not the ones who rooted for them as a kid and like and are nice about it, respectful, don't really cause massive issues. Fine, root for who you want. Um and then what what kind of fandom though? What do you have any fans where you're like, no, that's a stupid reason to root for a team? Uh I I I dis the the person or group that supports whoever's in first. Like they're like, oh Alabama or oh Georgia, and that's who I'm just gonna support, right? It's like it's like, okay, so you're picking the winners. You're picking the winners in week three after, uh, you know, for example, just you were using, I'm going to use the week week one game that Alabama has against Middle Tennessee and say, oh, they beat them 75 to three. It's like, okay, you're choosing it based on that? Sure. Yeah, that's not really a reason to root for a team. Like, for example, um, I, so this is Premier League stuff. So this is over in England. Uh, I used to root for Chelsea. Now, I knew nothing about Chelsea when I was a kid, and I just liked their colors. I liked the coach, and I was like, this is going to be my team. Uh, and somebody commented on it like, oh, you're just rooting for the team in first place. I had never seen the standings before. I had no idea how it worked. I didn't realize that there worked conferences, and I just said, yeah, Chelsea's going to be my team. Um, I have since reneged on that team and vote for the team that disappoints all of the time, which is Tottenham. Um, and so I feel like I've earned a little bit of respect from from that side because I, I want them to do well. They almost get there and then they disappoint. And it's like I, I, I can now understand how it it's a lot like Penn State. I mean, they're right there all the time. And just when it matters fuck up and ruin the entire season. So I think if you can support a team like that, you're allowed to choose who you want. Like if you root for, um, actually Michigan is a great example as well. If you root for Michigan because like, oh look, they're, you know, they're really good or whatever and they fuck it up and you understand the pain of losing, I'm okay with you being a fan. That's fair. Um, I'm okay with that. Yeah. Also, I, I feel like that's a good. That's a good one. I that's like a good one. If they stick with the team, yes, I'm good with that, for the most part. I think if you, I'm gonna get yelled at for this take. By the way, I'm good. going to get. I know who's gonna listen to this. He's going to hear this part, and I'm gonna get an angry text like Kevin. What the fuck? But if you root for a team because of a documentary you watched about that team. And then the week after you are flexing that incredible win with 15 illegal laterals to win the game against Duke. And then you talk shit the next week about how you got robbed in a game you got blown out in and you root for another team in conference for basketball. No, that's weird. That's fucking weird. That is, that's unacceptable. I, I, Hi, Jared. Yeah, we, we all knew. But the other thing I want to make a, a, a point on 
from my earlier statement is the fans who also piss me off are the fans that root for um the fans who root for a team that in fairness they live in the city or the state or whatever and that's their team i understand that but what you can't do is bring up the past from 1912 and say that that is your team because that was over a hundred years ago and no matter how many championships they won back then before the first and second world wars you don't get to claim that as your team and i'm talking to you yankees and dallas cowboy fans that's fair that's very fair i have another issue i have another one i got yeah. another fan yeah. i don't like um notre dame fans from boston okay I, I have a feeling of the direction you're going in, but I do want to hear it in detail. First off, I hate Notre Dame. It's not that's, that's been well established. They're the fucking worst. They're terrible. But look, I understand. You know, I think it's kind of. I'm not trying to piss off an entire religion. Go so, on. <laughs> but I think it's weird rooting for a school. With real because you're from the same religion that that school is like Notre Dame's a Catholic university. I think it's kind of yes. weird. Like, oh, they're Catholic, so I have to root for them over the actual Catholic university, 15 minutes up the road in Chestnut Hill. Yeah, I you literally that. have Boston College right there. Yeah, but it's the it's the connection. It's the it's the religious connection that they're going for, Kevin. Yeah, and they can make a religious connection and a geographic one. <laughs> I think it's weird. I think I think the same people that support Boston College also support Notre Dame. I think they go hand in hand. I, I don't think, think it's one or the other. I think that's fine. I think if you're like, oh, like Notre Dame's cool because my dad liked it because he's Catholic, which is a little weird, but it's fine. But also, I support Boston College. But then, if Boston College and Notre Dame play, and you root for Notre Dame, oh yes, that—that's weird. That's, that's weird. I agree with that. Yeah, I agree with that. Unless, in that, there are mitigating factors for that, like the initial your or the second your parent went there. If your parents went to Notre Dame and happened oh, yeah, to move to Boston, that's yeah. fine. That's Good fine. Yeah. Root for Notre Dame. You've your family's earned it. If then you proceeded to go to Notre Dame. Double worth it. You got it. That's about one person we went to high school with. Uh, but <laughs> it's, I don't know. Is it a Catholic thing that I just don't get, Kiernan? Um, I, maybe. I don't, I, because here's the thing. I don't think it's, it's particular, people particularly care about the whole Catholic thing. I think they just like the prestigiousness of Notre Dame and uh, and, you know, despite all your hatred at Notre Dame and their independence in conferences and all this jazz, you have to admit that regardless of anything else, their marketing and PR team is phenomenal. Oh, no, 100%. Notre Dame marketing is incredible. They do a wonderful job. They trick the entire country into thinking they're a blue blood. Yeah. I, I it's mean, impressive. It is, and so you have to give them credit for that. And I'm, I'm like, credit where credit's due. Your team might suck and disappoint 
you know most seasons and you get ranked way high more higher uh, way higher than you actually deserve but hey i mean it works yeah i mean good for them they didn't deserve they don't they didn't earn it on the field but good for them no no no, but but think about it i mean they're raking in the money from the tv contracts that they get a portion of the money from so it's tough to argue no, I think they get all the money from the TV contracts. Oh, right. Yeah, because they're in. Because they're, they negotiate they as negotiate Notre Dame. The, I completely forgot about that fact. Yeah. Um, you know what I hate also about Notre Dame? Mm. Have you seen, you, you've seen it, the Guinness like logo shirt where it, it's the toucan holding a Guinness and it has like a helmet on with a yeah. four-leaf clover? Shit goes hard. Yes. I fucking hate that I bought one. <laughs> I know. I remember that. I was like, uh, what are you doing? <laughs> it goes hard. It's, it's, it's incredible. So uh, but yeah, no, I fucking hate Notre Dame. And Brian Kelly killed again. Yeah, At Notre Dame. That one down. First one of the season, Kiernan. Yeah, first one. That didn't take long. Actually, if you think about it, the first one came about an hour ago because it's in our intro. Oh, well, there you go. I don't know. That doesn't count because that's an intro that that was recorded pre this. So this is the first one of the, the season. The first organic one. Yes. The fr- yeah. Tried and true. That's fair. So, yeah. That's that's our show. First one of the season, Kieran. I think we did great. Uh, honestly, yes, I agree. This is easily one of our our better uh, first episodes. Yeah, and I think I think it's gonna keep getting better because remember, after next week, we're down to half an hour. Around half an hour, because we'll probably go over a little bit. But next week, all of college football preview. I did not feel like doing a fucking conference a week for eight weeks. That sounded awful. That was terrible. I don't know why we did that. We thought it was a good idea at the time. It was fun bringing in guests, but I like this more. So everyone have a good, safe, fun weekend. Uh, Try not to be miserable the last two days of the work week. And we will see you next week. So they wanted a stable presence, a guy without a lot of scandals, so they hired someone who killed Steve. Yeah, LSU way. Just going to put that out there just so uh, we don't get sued. Yeah, I, yeah. Well, well, thank you for that. I'm not sure whether I should be offended or taken as a compliment, but, but you know, <clears throat> go on. Put them both in a jousting tournament. It, none of it matters. Texas A&M's going to go 8-4 this year, and half those kids are going to transfer. Are you sure? Thank you for listening to this Belly Up Sports Podcast Network product. Some said we go belly up, so we made it our name, and we're still here. <laughs>